know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. And boy, do we appreciate them. Mm-hmm. We miss you guys when we're away from these microphones. So it is great to be back. Last yes. week we were in Greenville, South Carolina, yes. um, at the invitation of BJU Press, uh, the homeschool division of Bob Jones Press. I hope I'm saying that all right. I hope that I'm getting that right. It was uh, an incredible opportunity for us <laughs> to go and receive, actually, and and that was that was a really a blessing to receive so much wisdom. Rick Green was there, who you hear on this network, um, founder and CEO, I guess you would say, of Patriot Academy. Yes. Uh, Van Tyler, Zan Tyler, <laughs> Van Zan Tyler was also there, who is just a pioneer in the homeschooling uh, movement. And when I say pioneer, I mean, like, um, was looking at jail time for educating her kids. A real one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine. Like, you know, here we are today. Um, We say, hey, guess what? Um, Lord's leading me to homeschool my kids. And you do that. And you don't worry about people knocking on your door or calling you in for a meeting and saying, you know, we're going to have you arrested for truancy. And 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 it's it just it blows my mind the the people that we don't know who exist who right. have pioneered for us to kind of just walk a smooth path you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it's like now in you know twenty first century um, we're we're like uh, you know well which curriculum will we choose right <laughs> we don't know like how do we you know what I mean where you know and so anyway so it's just an incredible time uh, learning about worldview. And uh, what Bob Jones Press is doing Mm. to inculcate a biblical worldview in all of their curriculum and throughout all of the subjects in the curriculum. And and it was just really good. And so we enjoyed it. Uh, If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see we posted a video. There were so many highlights. We learned so much. We were so challenged and provoked in a good way, really good way um, for what we do here on, on radio and encouraging you to be vigilant with your kids and with your grandkids but also in our own personal home with our kids. Uh, It was just a really, really good time. One of the many highlights was uh, meeting Rob Spurgeon, (laughs) who happens to oversee um, Bible instruction and creating the curriculum for Bible teaching at BJU Press. And he actually is related, like distant relative of Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) Which I think is just, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, on the list of like possible careers that you would have in life. <laughs> right. And if, if your name is Spurgeon, <laughs> it just seems like that would be a fit. Like, I mean, I yeah. don't know. I yeah. guess you, I guess you could, you know, you could design software. Rob Bible Spurgeon. Software. You can- <laughs> <laughs> and Lagos is like, excuse me. <clears throat> Got it covered. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so that was great. If you, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see an interview that we did with him. One of the things I was really curious about uh, for the, the years that we have, 
instructed our kids at home and discipled them. That's the primary reason that we do it. We have actually avoid using a packaged Bible curriculum Mm -hmm. and not because I think, oh, you know, but just I, I wanted them to understand that we are living lives as Christians. And there are times that you could walk through a study, walk through a devotional. That's okay. But I didn't want them in their instruction to see Bible as a class. Right. That it's just something they do Monday through Friday. And then, you know, I didn't want them to downgrade, excuse me, God's word. And so we just we wanted to live life with them in the reading of scripture and the memorization of scripture. And one of my questions that was um, beautifully answered by uh, Brother Spurgeon uh, was how he avoided the Bible becoming that. How do you avoid the Bible becoming just another subject that kids are engaging with, um, like they do science or they do history. And I think the same would be true for kids who are in a private school where there is a Bible class. Mm -hmm. It just feels like another class that you have to go to. You have assignments that you do. And sometimes you'll even find, and there's no knock to this, by the way, no knock. I'm just, 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 I'm just saying Mm -hmm. there are some kids who in school, when asked what their favorite subject is, will say Bible. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as they recognize that, but but it's more than just another one of your subjects, right? You know, right. and so if you want to hear his answer and hear his response to that question, um, then you can go to our Facebook page, the airing the Addison's airing the Addison's <laughs> page, yes, <laughs> and see that impromptu uh, interview with uh, uh, Rob Spurgeon. Uh, just just because you guys know how much. I love you. Uh, did have the little throw thing pop up at the end of the video? <laughs> well, at least it was like, at the end. Yeah. I cannot go anywhere. Is that the and end? Just, it's like, <laughs> oh goodness, we were doing so well, and we get to the end. Ah, oh, you did great. There's a part of me that wants to retake it. That's it. Let's re-record. <laughs> right. But then there's another part that's like we got to get back in these sessions. Yeah. So and he anyway, had to go too probably. For sure, he was. Working. <laughs> um, it's great to be back with you. Uh, before we left, well, let me do this. I, I want to announce there are several places that uh, the Addisons will find themselves this year. And so we will mention those places just in case uh, it's within driving distance where you live. And, and we know that you listen all across the country via podcast and radio, and some of you are brave enough to watch YouTube, and that's fine. <laughs> um, but I just want to let you know that we'll be in several different places throughout the year uh, giving talks and making presentations that drill down just a little bit deeper into what we talk about on a daily basis here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little more PowerPoint, more video, more interaction and uh, with you on the topics that we're discussing the, this weekend we are actually now this one. Well, I'm not going to mention this one because this one, they said, it's just for our church. We're not opening this up. Yeah, we just want for their church and maybe one other. That well, okay. Doesn't... So, okay. So then yeah. let me skip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, Hey, but guys just know you're on my heart. Okay. All right. So don't think that I ignored you. Uh, in April, in April, we're actually going to be at uh, Tennessee Valley Community Church with uh, Alex McFarlane and um, Brother Bert Harper and Abraham Hamilton III. It is the Truth Matters uh, Conference, a Truth for a New Generation Conference under Alex McFarlane's leadership. And the theme of that conference is uh, Truth Matters, which there's so much that you can do with that theme. And we are looking forward to it. There will be a special kind of kickoff with the youth of that church and everybody else who uh, who registers. And that one is open to the public. So please feel free to register if you're in that area. Will the Great and I are going to facilitate a discussion with the youth on Wednesday night where we're simply going to ask the question, what is truth? And we're going to work our way from there. 
and hopefully we'll be able to uh, discern and learn uh, where our children are today as they think about truth. Because here's the thing, when we talk to our kids, we assume that we are working with the same definitions, Mm. right? Like we, we assume that when we talk to anybody, but I think the gap is greatest Mm. uh, when you have adults talking to youth and, and the, the idea that we are using the same definitions. Uh, and so then therefore speaking just with that as a given, mm-hmm. I think you, you will quickly find when you ask kids to define terms that we don't have the same definitions. And so we've got to work our way from getting on the same page with definitions and then going from there. And so that's what we're going to be doing. If you want to learn more information about that, then you can go to, I want to say Alex I feel like that's what I should say. <laughs> but now I'm not Alex com is where you would go. M C F A R L A N D Alex com to learn more information about that. You'll see um, the other speakers who will be there and who will be ministering. And again, the theme is uh, truth matters. And so you, if you're going to be in the Paris, Tennessee area, Tennessee Valley community church would welcome you. Oh, I should tell you the dates. It's April 19th through the 23rd. April 19th through the 23rd. Look, let me just say this is uh, kind of a um, just you guys know us to a large extent. We've been doing this for a very long time. We don't often talk about where we're going going to be, frankly, because it makes us uncomfortable. It it can feel a little self-serving. Hey, come out and hear me talk. But (laughs) (laughs) we're getting over that feeling because there are so many of our listeners who reach out to us and say, hey, where are you guys? Are you guys doing anything in my area? Are you going to be local? Like, will you give a talk on this? And and in some instances, we are going to be in different places giving talks on not only the things we discuss on air, but drilling down. There are things that you can do in person, you know this, that you just can't do via radio yeah. or video. And, uh, and, and we like to take advantage of that. So answering your questions and having you interact with the content that we're presenting in real time is a real blessing. So against our natural uh, inclination, mm-hmm. we will let you know where we're going to be uh, throughout the year. And there are several trips that we'll be taking. So if there's one that's in your area, then hopefully you can come out and we'll get to meet you. That would be great. In yeah. April, Truth Matters Conference with Alex McFarland. Mm-hmm. And then as they come up the rest of the year, we'll let you know. And just, you know, so people know, you can uh, follow us if you're on social media, you yeah. know, on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you just search for Erin Addison's uh, also, we have Insta- Insta- Instagram. Page. Oh, boy, That's we new. shouldn't be there. We yeah. shouldn't be there. If we can't say it, we should not be there. <laughs> yeah, I've resisted for a while. <laughs> um, but you can just search Aaron Addison's for that and also follow us or subscribe. I got to get the language oh my right. goodness, yeah. The YouTube uh, page, you know, channel, not yes. page. Man, I'm I'm just all messed <laughs> we up. Don't huh? We I'm don't know. We don't know. for this. Here, here, here's the thing. <laughs> can I just tell you, bottom line, we're not we're not in it for the trend of any of it. Like right. we really don't care about. <laughs> and this is evident. People are like, yeah, we've seen your stuff. We know you don't care. <laughs> we don't care about the trend of any of it. We just want you to have the content. We we want yeah. you to have the information. Like what we're going to continue talking about this information that is out from the CDC and and. Um, parents need to be aware Mm -hmm. of what is going on with our children and grandparents the same. Like we've been in the dark for far too long. So, so the reason we're talking about these things and the reason we have gone kicking and screaming to many of these platforms. Okay. Is uh, because people tell us, well, that's where people are. Mm. 
And so we want to be faithful to the Lord. We, we want this message that we believe that the Lord has charged us to communicate at this time in history. We want to be, this sounds so weird, where the people are, right? In the public square. And so we've got all of these different, as they are, public squares that, that you can exist in. Please know, we don't care about the trend of it. <laughs> but right. if you hear us saying things that sound trendy, just know that um, that's because that's how the young people say it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're still young. You We're know. still young. So, so, but this is what they say. Follow us on all of our socials. Don't forget. <laughs> See, I'm not going to ever say it. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You will. You should. No. Like, you should. Ah, that's just. At the very least, you got to get it. Instagram out. Instagram. It, it, there you go. Follow us on Instamix. Um, and it's not grits. <laughs> it's not. It's not oatmeal. It's, it's not, a, it's a Facegram. Uh, <laughs> No? Okay. <laughs> it's the book. Something like <sighs> <that>. <laughs> I miss radio. We'll I miss, I miss, <laughs> there was a time where you just press a button and your radio would come on and there'd be somebody behind the microphone and they didn't tell you to go anywhere else. They told you, hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Welcome here. MySpace? Anyway. No. Okay. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> no. He's sending them to, oh, to a rundown goodness. neighborhood. Okay, here we go. Um. So the CDC released its, um, what is it? I guess it's biannual um, report as they look at the state of high schoolers. And I started talking mm-hmm. about this last year. And, last year, last week. Last week, yeah. It feels like last year. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> uh, but, but I want to continue. And I, I, my intent was to take my time and kind of go through each of these uh, sections of, of the, the research, the survey. And we started doing that. But there's something that was really burdening my heart that I want to get to today. And so my Mm -hmm. temptation is to kind of go back into summary mode um, so that I can get to what I feel like really grabbed my attention as in looking at this information that's coming from the CDC. There are two things, um, and I may not get to both of them today, but one of them is that I have great concern for our daughters Mm -hmm. in 21st century America. Great concern. As I prayed through this report, and we talked about some of it with the mental health issues, uh, we look at what's going on with girls overwhelmingly, the gender confusion. And as you're going to hear today, um, drug use and, and alcohol use and all of the numbers that are significant in the significant categories are higher among girls than they are among boys. Mm-hmm. And in some categories, this is a shift And so I want to talk about this because I really do believe that there is a reason for why our girls all of a sudden, quote unquote, are adversely affected by what's going on in the culture. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Mickey. And I'm Will, and that's Stephen Malcolm and Natalie Grant, even louder. The CDC releasing a couple weeks ago its Youth Risk Behavior Survey, where they uh, survey high schoolers across this country to find out where they are mm-hmm. uh, in a number of different categories. We've already talked about the mental health aspect or portion of this survey. There's 152 schools represented in the data that I'm going to talk about today. So that's 17,232 useful 
questionnaires um, according to the CDC. And um, I have to give just a little bit of a disclaimer, which again, always is interesting to me to have to do because you have, this is high schoolers. (laughs) So um, you would imagine that if you've got a high schooler listening, you could talk about what high schoolers are talking about or what they are involved in. But again, um, just to say it simply, what many of these high schoolers are involved in, according to the CDC, uh, does not comport with a biblical worldview. Mm. Now, please understand, I, I recognize that you've got 152 schools, 17,000 plus questionnaires. Of course, you're not talking to students who overwhelmingly or largely have a biblical worldview. Um, I recognize that I want to say like 6% of Gen Z actually has a biblical worldview or is religious according to polling data, if I'm not mixing those numbers with something else, but the number is really low. The least religious generation in the history of this country is generation Z. So I don't expect these numbers to reflect Christian conviction. My warning though, is to the Christians, do you know what's going on in your household? So when you have these, that is the question, right? You have these numbers uh, and they're largely reflective of, you know, the landscape, my question is, so your kid may not have been polled or surveyed and may not have answered any of these questions, but could you ask these questions of your kid or do these questions go without asking? Are you so involved in your kid's life that you don't have to ask these specific questions? You're living life together. Um, I'm not saying that you don't. I'm just maybe, maybe you don't have to. So in the category of sexual behavior, I think there's some encouraging information in that the the rates of um, or the percentage of high schoolers who report that they are sexually active, those numbers are down and and don't seem to be on trend to rise. So that's really interesting. I I do think, and I don't mean to be you know sort of like always, but wait, you know, <laughs> I I do think that there are other things that our kids are involved in that you know some of those other addictions maybe um, kind of calming down their actual acting out mm. on some of those other urges. I'm trying to be so careful and, and you know, respectful. So that's, let me say that. So the summary of the results for sexual behavior among high schoolers, uh, despite the difference in prior years across racial and ethnic groups in the percentage of students who ever had sex or had four or more lifetime sexual partners, were currently sexually active, there was no significant difference between uh, previous groups and the groups in 2021, except for Asian students who, out of all of the groups represented there, uh, were less likely uh, to engage in any of the sexual behaviors that were polled about, which I thought was really interesting. There are some other categories where the Asian Asian students, I guess you would say, um, and, and I think it's it's a good thing in these categories would be mm. underrepresented right. by the numbers. They're just not doing these things. They are connected to their family. Their parents know where they are um, in any given moment. That's their parents big. Can account. That it's just shows huge. how important that structure is. And when you don't have it or it has a breakdown there, you know, all kind of other things come in. That's exactly you right. Know, that yeah. is exactly right. So, again, according to the CDC from 2011 to 2021, and I think that this is this is good news mm-hmm. um, for our high our uh, high schoolers, 
but from 2011 to 2021, fewer students engaged in sexual activity and the percentage of students who had ever had sex or were currently sexually active or had four or more lifetime sexual partners had all decreased. Mm. Let me just say those questions. So in going through the entire report, um, a part of what is in the appendix is the questions that were asked of these high schoolers. It's like 99 questions in each of the categories. They ask these questions of the high schoolers and some of the questions I'm just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> like you asked like 15 year olds, this question. Mm. Oh my goodness. Like I, you know, and, and so even <laughs> with that, as I'm reading this, like, I don't want it. I don't want to normalize this type of communication as it pertains to anybody. Yeah. You know, but I think sometimes we forget that these 15 year olds, you know, they have, they know this stuff and they've been like, absolutely. I, you they know, do. And I know that's not a reason just to be reckless, but I think we got to understand that they know this stuff. They've, they've been talking about this stuff. They've been inundated with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from that uh, vantage point, it's like, yeah, we asked them because they're, yeah, you know, exactly. Cause they, cause it's, cause it, pertains to them right so like for example the question like you're t- you're talking to high schoolers and you're asking if you've had um four or more sexual partners hey. <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. so that's a part of the questioning right right and that right. that data is collected and then that data is observed to establish a trend to see mm. if the number is coming down or if it's staying the same or if it's going up the number of high schoolers Mm -hmm. who have engaged in sexual activity with four or more partners. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway, there is that I'm going to have to move uh, more quickly here to, to get to the ultimate point that I want to make in looking at all of this data. And again, um, we had a link to the entire survey in a previous podcast but we'll make sure to put it in this one as well whenever we talk about this so just so that you can click on it and read it for yourself I think it's it would be interesting to you um, if you're raising a Gen Zer to look at some of the questions that were asked of these uh, high schoolers which all of that's in the report um, again th- this is where we are so uh, the question asked if you had ever had sex asked this question of the high schoolers in 2021. of high school students had ever had sexual intercourse. Asian students were less likely than students from nearly all other racial and ethnic groups to have ever had sex at 11%, at 11%. So overall, 30% of the high schoolers had ever engaged in this activity. Um, Asian students, the breakdown by ethnic groups, Asian students came in at 11%, black students 34%, and then the numbers go on, opposite sex those students who are engaging in sexual activity with the opposite sex, uh, highest number represent 73%. And that's compared to those who would be engaged in sexual activity with members of their same sex at mm. 67%. Again, wow. one of the numbers that continues or one of the, um, the categories that I felt like continued to grab my attention was the comparison between male and female. And so again, in this particular area, you've got, Females that come in at 31%, slightly higher than the males at 29%. But that's not the only place where females come in higher. Like in in all of the categories, it seems like our daughters are overrepresented in Mm -hmm. the categories that are concerning. Mm 
<laughs> which, you know, and then you, you watch the trends. And if you go and look at the report, you can see all of the trends. You can see how this has shifted over time. I'm looking at these bars or these dotted lines, whatever the case may be, where you see the girls kind of as the trend continues, now their bar is going up over the boy bar. Mm. Uh, sexual activity, drug use, alcohol consumption. The girl wow. bar is going up over the boy bar. And and uh, again, as I'm looking through this data, I'm, I'm asking myself, um, what is going on? Lord, what what is happening with our with our kids? What's happening and specifically My what's girls. happening with our girls? Yeah. So they're asked the question, are you currently sexually active? This is the question that the CDC asks. OK, are you currently sexually active? Twenty three percent of the girls responding yes. And 19 percent of the boys responding yes. So here again, hmm. you've got the girls just kind of edging out the boys Um 7% of Asians responding yes. Mm. 7%. Wow. Again, it now, highlights I, <laughs> family look, structure. Like, and, you know. And um, what's being passed down, you know, apparently is, you know, is being uh, uh, passed down that, hey, you you don't do this. like Right. We, you know. Right. Which, <laughs> again, and guys, okay, becomes a big indictment on the the family that would probably be represented here that would describe itself as a Christian family. Mm. Okay. Like, but at the same time, not portraying Christian values, Christian conviction. I think that's very interesting. So mm. I'm going to move quickly here um, to the next um, section where they look at substance abuse. And so just kind of quick overview. And then there are just a few areas I want to look at specifically uh, so that you're thinking about, what the CDC has found as it's looked at high schoolers across the country. All right. It's kind of what we think, maybe some of it um, worse than what we think, and maybe some of it actually better than what we think. I'll just tell you in the area of uh, sexual activity, I was uh, surprised that the numbers were coming down to a certain extent because I'm aware that there are other uh, addictive numbers that are up. That is pornographic addiction and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so I, I think this is just Miki analyzing data in her own head. Uh, I think that there is uh, a correlation between the rise of sexual addiction by way of pornographic or pornography consumption and the decrease of actual um, sexual activity. Mm. That's just my thought. I'm sure that there could be somebody who could actually like study that and then come with the numbers and say here, you know, that's just my thought. All right. So looking at substance abuse, uh, female students, again, female students, female students, LGBTQ plus students and students with any same sex partners were more likely than their peers to engage in every substance use behavior. So in every one of the categories where they asked about substance use, Female students, those who would identify or be identified in the LGBTQ plus category um, and those who had same sex partners, which I, I would I don't understand really how that's different. But I guess yeah. it's sex, just sexual activity. So whatever. Um, but the girls, again, are up there in these categories more so than the boys. Mm. All right. Um, let me give you an example of this. So the question is that of current alcohol use, the percentage of high school students who drank alcohol uh, during the past 30 days. 
So okay. they're asked this question. Have you had alcohol in the past 30 days? Mm-hmm. Of all of the high schoolers, 23% of them had. 23%. Break down the comparison between male and female. The male students responded 19% of them had consumed alcohol in the last 30 days. The female students, 27%. Wow. (laughs) So that's, that's just a little bit of just a little bit of a jump, but it's still a jump. And it's still, in my opinion, not what you would expect, not what you would expect. Uh, Again, lowest numbers represented here, Asian students at 11%. You're going to want to go through, I can Mm. tell you're going to want to go through and look at all these numbers for yourself. I can't go through all the breakdowns. Time will not allow me for that, uh, allow me to do that. But, um, but this is still just very interesting. So again, another question talking about substance abuse, marijuana use, marijuana use among high schoolers. So 16% total, like 16% of the high schoolers say that they are using marijuana. When you break it down um, between the girls and the boys, the girls come in at 18% and the boys at 14. Mm. Wow. Like I just, okay. So like, if you just kind of think about this, yeah. right. Um, the number Asian students represented at 5% black students with the higher number. Um, and it's kind of tied with what they categorize as multiracial students coming in at 20% as far as marijuana use goes. And then when you look at the LGBTQ plus LGBTQ plus, it's different because they take out the T. But uh, when you look at those categories and those who have engaged in uh, sexual activity with members of the same sex, those numbers are higher than the general number. So LGBTQ plus 22 percent using marijuana and engaging in sexual activity with members of the same sex, 44 percent say that they're using marijuana. There's a couple other um, categories that I wanted to look at here. Let me just uh, flip to them. All right. So in 2021, 13 percent of high school students had ever used certain illicit drugs, illicit drugs. And here's how these drugs are defined. Forgive me if I mispronounce any of them. But here's how the drugs are defined. Cocaine, inhalants, heroin, methamphetamines, hallucinogens or ecstasy. Female students were more likely than male students to have ever used select illicit drugs. Female students more likely than male students. Asian and black students were less likely than students from nearly all other racial and ethnic groups to have ever used select illicit drugs. So overall, 13 percent of students saying that they use those illicit drugs uh, among female students, 15 percent among the male students, 12 percent. So, again, number just a little bit higher there. Uh, One more, maybe two more from this particular report. Um. Misuse of prescription opioids, misuse of prescription opioids, 12% of high schoolers reporting that they have done that. Um, Breakdown between male and female, 15% of girls saying yes, and 10% of of boys saying yes. And in 2021, let me give you the overall, so even to describe the misuse of prescription opioids, right? In 2021, 12% of high school students had ever taken prescription pain medicine, such as codeine, Vicodin, Oxycontin, Hydrocodone, Uh, Percocet without a doctor's prescription or differently than how a doctor told them to use it. Again, female students were more likely to have misused prescription opioids than male students. Now, I know that I'm going to have to rush through this. The same is true with um, the current misuse of prescription opioids. Um, Female students are represented higher percentage than male students. Um, Lowest percentage represented Asian students. Hmm. 
Uh, I think there's a reason that we are seeing these kinds of numbers um, that represent our girls. And I want to look at experiencing violence just a little bit and then give my commentary on why I think that is. Erin the Addisons will be right back. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Flame with Whole Nine. Looking at the CDC's youth risk behavior, and our daughters are concerning. Um, just as you look at this information, which we began talking about at the beginning of last week, I'm moving through each of the categories, and now mm-hmm. I'm looking at experiencing violence. The reason I wanted to not skip experiencing violence, one, is because it's included in the survey. These are questions that our kids were asked. And so those numbers matter because they represent um, truth that has they that they have experienced. So mm-hmm. this has been experienced by those who responded. But also, I think that there are certain pieces of this information that will be used to further transform the landscape of the public school system. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing several things in covering this information. I'm also um, trying to to call your attention to what I think will be a part of the continual shifting in our school's uh, environments, in our school's atmosphere. And and what I mean by that is, I mean, <clears throat> what is taught, what is to- uh, tolerated, mm-hmm. um, what is celebrated, when historically what has happened, and then I'll go back into the report here, into the survey, Historically, what has happened is when parents have pushed back on what we call inappropriate content being taught in our kids' classrooms, you you inevitably have a principal, a teacher, a school board member, um, somebody in a position of authority will yeah. say, what we are teaching meets the standards of proper instruction, yeah. right? Like, we, we are not violating any standards. Like, these are nationally approved standards. And so what I always say is that parents should then not walk away, satisfy that, okay, it meets national standards. Right. Parents need to stand flat-footed in that moment and say, okay, and who's determining these national standards? Mm. So who has determined that this was suitable discussion for kids of this age or any age, you know, who <laughs> has determined that? Yeah. And, and I think this is where knowing the CDC information becomes vital for us and engaging because what you actually see in this survey, and I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of that to you today, is that the CDC has come up with a response for what they observe out of this survey. Mm. It's like, it's like the person is like, Oh, if only we had a, I happen to have a plan right here. You understand? <laughs> and, and so I, I think that when you read what the plan entails, you can see kind of where it's going. So let me quickly go back and the category of experiencing violence. And I think that the the violence um, aspect of this, the those kids who would describe themselves as being a part of the LGB, for the sake of this survey, LGBTQ plus uh, community, those who have had sexual uh, intercourse, as they describe it, with members of the same sex, so sexual activity with members of the same sex, they are overrepresented in the category of experiencing violence. Now, why is that important? 
that's important because if we are going to tailor a response to anything that's concerning in this survey, we are looking for those students who are overrepresented in any of the categories, okay? And then assuming that those who are underrepresented are probably okay, mm. all right? Mm-hmm. So if you have categories in particular, or namely the violence category, where you look at aspects, say, digital bull- bullying, uh, bullying at school. And these are the categories. I'm just kind of, they're not in order, but these are the categories that are in this section on violence. Uh, days where you did not go to school because you felt unsafe. Mm. All right. Um, were you forced to have sexual intercourse with someone? So these these all fall under the category of you sustained violence, all right, during your high school career. And overrepresented in this particular category and, and indeed, in the other ones, the mental health uh, ones and the drug use, it's our girls and those who would be in the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. So those are overrepresented in this survey. I think now, again, I'm fine to be wrong on this, but I think that this information gets levied and used to create curricula that then deals with these needs. And I think what happens out of this is that you get more curricula across the country mm-hmm. that then indoctrinate students because why? If you've got a victim or an oppressed class or an oppressed group, then you've got to raise that group up. Mm-hmm. And the way you raise that group up is that you educate their cohorts. You've got to teach them how to interact with them. Right. And so I think that this is what we're going to see uh, with our kids in high school in a number of different areas. I think, and and I don't know, I don't know how they'll deal with the girl portion of this, but I'm, I'm almost willing to kind of stick my neck out again and say that their solutions will be fickle <laughs> and that their solutions will not be solutions. Yeah. So, so again, yeah. here, looking at the violence category, uh, female students and LGBTQ plus students students who had had any same-sex partners were more likely than their peers to experience violence. Nearly a quarter of LGBTQ plus students were bullied at school and nearly 30% were electronically bullied. And I want to, I'm going to speed up here because I want to make some points that I think will be eternally useful. Um, And so you can, you can go and look at this data. We'll link to it in the, uh, the show notes. So if you get the podcast, you can get it there. And and I hope that you will look at it, but here's what I want to say before we run out of time. So the CDC and looking at all of the data and uh, interpreting the data, they have made recommendations. They've they've told you even how there's a section on how you should use this information. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need you to tell me how to use it. Just give <laughs> me the numbers. Trying to help out. You know, here's how you, here's how you should use this information. <laughs> don't tell me how to use the information. I can read. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was self-serving. Here we go. So one of the one of the um, actions listed here by the CDC, like how do we respond to the information that we've just um, collected and compiled and analyzed? And there are three responses, I think, or three actions that come from the CDC. I wanna look at the third action. Well, I'll tell you what the first two are, but then I wanna kinda drill down on the third action. The first one is increase school connectedness across all grades for all youth. So one of the problems that they see and the reason that when the numbers are bad or the categories are bad and the numbers are high, they have found that those students were less likely to feel connected to school and that they needed to feel connected to school. 
So that's number one. They need more school connectedness. Number two, increase access to needed services by improving school-based services and connecting youth and families to community-based sources of care. Again, to remedy these different wow. ailments that these kids are facing, it comes down, the school has to play now, a greater role. That? I just, I mean, isn't I'm that like, convenient? You know, you know I kind of feel like more power for the schools, more connectedness, more, more intrusion, in my opinion, uh, yeah. into the lives of children. But the thing about it, I think we have uh, seen from the numbers that you read that it seems like the emphasis on family would help. Uh, a lot of these different yes. issues because the, the Asian culture seem like they, you With know, a heavy emphasis on family. Heavy em- yeah, emphasis on family. Yes, fared better. So why would categories. the answer be more school control than more familiar? You know, because because control. in America it doesn't matter what the problem is. Ted Cruz pointed this out beautifully. No matter what the problem is, the answer is always more government control. That's no matter what the problem is. It does not matter what the problem is. The answer is always more government control. And so because government controls the schools, then more control is needed to remedy these ailments. So we're watching these trends. And and when I see stuff like this, I see information like this. Excuse me. I just take a step back and I'm like, but, yo, you have seven hours a day for five days a week. Like, what more do you need? Right. Like if it, if it's more school connectedness, you've got you've got like seven hours a day, five days a week. Um, you've got after school sports and activities. You've got like weekend engagements. Like what more do you need? How much more connectedness do you need? And if it's the the school showing, you know, greater responsiveness to the needs of the students. I'm like, what are you doing with the seven hours that you have seven and a half, maybe longer that you have five days a week? I just right. I don't understand that. They need more. But <laughs> but they need more. And and again, the question then, and this is what will lead to action number three. And so pay attention to how these things all align, right? So you need more school control, more school oversight to help our kids lead healthier, happier lives, which you've had a lot of it and you have squandered it. And now you're asking for more and saying that that's the solution. But then here is number three. <clears throat> so... Maybe what we have not done well with the time that we've been given is that we have not um, invested or targeted specifically enough the needs of those who are adversely affected in this survey. So here we go. Number three, implement, implement quality health education for all grades. Mm. Health education that is grounded in science. (laughs) Now, first of that first, that's a lie, though. (laughs) <laughs> that's a lie though yeah. like you got a whole like okay <laughs> medically accurate another lie mm-hmm. another lie this is why i say in the first segment we've got to make sure that we define terms so for us old traditionalists okay when we hear grounded in science we think measurable, repeatable. We think it's a fact. We think you can, right. you, I mean, we think that you can reproduce it. Like it's, it's something, you know what I mean? When we hear medically accurate, we kind of think the same thing, <laughs> right? We, we think that it's true, like fact, like not affected by feelings. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
<laughs> but what we know, based on what has historically happened in schools and what is the popular conversation today, we know that when people say we need we need you know studies grounded in science, we know that they mean feelings. Mm. When they say medically accurate, we know that they mean cultural persuasiveness. <laughs> like that's that's what they're talking about. However, this is what parents will read when the you know permission slips, if they still do. Uh, go out electronically saying that this is the class that your kid is going to be enrolled in now. This is the class that your kid will have to take. This is the class that will be counted toward like school credit for graduation. Yeah. And please don't think that they're not, that that's beyond them to do to say that now nah, we really need you guys to be baptized. So <laughs> everybody's going to have to take this class mm-hmm. and to ensure that you take the class, you've got to get college. You've got to get this class. to have college credit or, you know, if you're going to go on. So here we go. All right. Developmentally appropriate. That's another lie. They developmentally appropriate. Then, 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 why are we talking to five-year-olds about things that five-year-olds cannot understand? In their okay? mind, it's appropriate. And right. <laughs> In their mind, right. And so again, when they show up, okay. You know what? It's not helpful if I don't complete a sentence. Let me just read this, guys. <laughs> I am so sorry. Here we go. Third action from the CDC, implement quality health education for all grades. I'm just going to keep going. Health education that is grounded in science, medically accurate, developmentally appropriate, and culturally and LGBTQ plus inclusive Mm. is effective in teaching students needed skills to understand their mental and physical health and make thoughtful health decisions. Schools can implement quality health education By having policies that foster supportive environments for quality health education, using content that promotes healthy development, and equipping staff with the knowledge and skills needed to deliver quality health education. Did you hear that, teachers? They're coming for you as well. Mm. So you need to be trained to understand how to provide the kind of inclusive instruction that takes into consideration all of the areas where our kids are deficient. That's why the numbers where you have kids that are overrepresented in one area and underrepresented in the other. That's why those numbers matter. So like we could go through and we could just read stats. But if you got to understand that those stats are connected to a future intent. So here's what I'm going to do with these numbers. The numbers are just numbers when you first look at them. But having become acquainted with these people and the way they operate and the the fact that they feel like your children are their children. Mm -hmm. You have to recognize that ultimately this goes somewhere. So here is what the CDC is uh, proposing. They have a program that they're calling What Works in Schools. What Works in Schools. The CDC's What Works in Schools program is an (laughs) evidence-based approach with demonstrated impact on many behaviors and experiences presented in this report. The program supports school districts in implementing quality health education, Connecting young people to needed services. What are those needed services? Like these are all words and they have a meaning. They have a meaning. What are the needed services that our young people have? And do parents get a say in that? Do parents get to say what those needed services are? Okay, here we go. Making school environments safer and more supportive with a strong focus on improving school connectedness. Now, pause for a second. In any of that, in any of that, where did you hear the parents' title mentioned? In any of that. I didn't hear it at all. Okay. So our kids have a problem. The parents are not a solution at all. Mm. At all. Like there's there's no, there's no, do we just do like a quick little nod and say, yeah, parents have got to get their kids more connected to school. 
So the parents are only a solution in as much as they connect the kid to the solution, mm. which is school, yeah. which is government oversight, which is CDC recommendation, which now they're trying to like, okay, let me stay on topic. <laughs> so this is a problem. Mm. The numbers are concerning. Please do not get me wrong. I wouldn't spend so much time on this if the numbers themselves were not concerning, but the solution is even more concerning. Yeah. All right, tomorrow, Lord willing, we'll pick up and look at the problem with our daughters. Until then, Lord willing. God bless.